Well, hello friends. Uh, how are you doing down in Worcester? Um, it's such a shame not to be able to see you face to face and be with you uh, on a Sunday morning. Um, boy, we have appreciated, haven't we, just the um, the things we used to take for granted. I, I so miss being able to gather with people uh, and being able to just, you know, hug them even. Um, most people anyway. So, hey, great to see you. Um, I want to say thank you again, as always, for your ongoing love, care, support, affection. Um, I, I am a blessed man, I think. When I think of how uh, God has joined our hearts together, I'm, I'm overwhelmed, actually. And again, thank you for your great support. I'm just thinking of Sim and Ruth, of course, and Graham, Richard, Robin, and others as well, of course, Cheryl, um, and many others who have been really helpful and supportive to me in the last 12 months or so it's been a quite a quite a ride and uh and more more life to live yet for sure but uh so thank you uh i want to talk to you this morning um a little bit not about synergy and about you know all being together in a big wide family and all that but i want to talk to you a little bit about the uh, place we find ourselves in and about human flourishing is it possible to thrive rather than just survive the days that we're in. I'm sure we've all asked the question, every preacher tells you it's unprecedented times, and of course, they're all right. And yet, of course, uh, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And perhaps there might be a way to understand something of his ways, even in these type of times. Uh, on Saturday morning, last Saturday morning, uh, I was talking to my granddaughter, Ava. Ava uh, brought to the uh, Zoom call, a Lego piece, massive Lego piece like this, which was meant to signify three huge ice creams. And as she brought it to me, she said, ta-da, <laughs> like a concert pianist with a flourish. Like, you know, I don't know, like a poet writing a line or Dominic Calvert-Lewin scoring an equaliser against Liverpool. All these things of sheer beauty. And it, it just it just made me think, you know, human beings are actually the, the tenor of God's creation. And therefore, of course, flourishing and thriving are uh, something he knows a lot about. And if we don't know about it, perhaps that's where we turn to find out. Well, if only it was that simple, because... Throughout humanity's history, there's always been reasons or other reasons people give for how to flourish. And some of them, of course, are down to our own efforts and, with that, and don't necessarily include God. So think of um, Aristotle. I know you often think of Aristotle in Worcester. But just for this morning, 2,300 years ago, Aristotle says human beings are designed... Um, to flourish but they've got to get there by their own efforts and he said that you can't flourish as a human being unless you pay attention to these four aspects of human nature i'm just going to read them out to you one is physical the other is emotional you've got to pay attention to these things you've got to pay attention to social and to the rational um emotional uh, well-being physical health social relationships and community and rational. What makes humans human? Um, the old scholastics used to say was that we could think. So flourishing, human flourishing, uh, is possible. And people have been talking about it for a long time. But how do you do it? Aristotle said you can't do it 
unless you're paying attention. And, and then he said, uh, as do then many other people ever since, that you've got to help yourself. Now look, I, I get the idea that we have to collaborate and we have to cooperate and we have to say yes um, and that we have to, you know, kind of get with the program, as it were, if anything ever changes in our lives. But the thing that, that the Christian hope is, is that actually God changes us. We cooperate, but if we cooperate, we are transformed into the image of Christ. And the power of the Holy Spirit is changing us from one degree of glory to another. And that's a daily process. The Bible talks about flourishing and uses holistic words, not just for individuals, but for the whole of society. So shalom, a form of greeting still in the Middle East, and the root of it and derivations are still used in all kinds of countries. The honest truth is that shalom is to do with peace with creation, peace with neighbor, peace with yourself. And I think that peace with God is the final one. And so this holistic peace, shalom, does us good because it's the suspicion that everyone's always had is that the life that we're living isn't life the way that it's meant to be. Somehow there's a greater design in play. And the Christian hope is that actually, and confidence is that God has created us. Therefore, shalom is a way of living in and an atmosphere, as it were. It's almost more substantial than just atmosphere. We're physically being that is in line with God's creation, God's design in the initial in the initial place. So, C.S. Lewis uh, illustrates this point perfectly. Uh, he says, "God made us, invented us, as a man invents an engine. A car is made to run on petrol, and it would not run properly on anything else, except electric." C.S. Lewis, but there we are. Uh, you ain't to know that. Now, God designed the human machine to run on himself. He himself is the fuel our spirits were designed to burn or the food our spirits were designed to feed on. There's no other. That's why it's just no good asking God to make us happy in our own way without bothering about faith. God cannot give us a happiness and peace apart from himself because it's not there. There is no such thing. The scriptures promote human wholeness and human flourishing because it directs us to God. Now, look, just let's illustrate that slightly from, uh, from the story of Gideon. You remember Gideon in Judges chapter 6 was living at a time when Israel was in a state of constant fear because of the Midianites. Midianites were uh, a rampaging near enemy who they had defeated actually previously, but now we're back and we were taking hold of the nation. The, uh, we find Gideon in uh, hiding in a wine press threshing his corn because he didn't want to be, uh, have his stuff stolen, nor did he want to be exposed in case the enemy raiding bands came and found him and 
killed him, stole the stuff. Because actually, the whole of Israel at this point, that wasn't a, you know, untypical of the way that Israel was living. Uh, Israel was distressed. They were hiding in mountains and caves and clefts of rock. They were on the run. They were, lo- they were running for the hills. They were scared to go out. They were living in a less than ideal situation and the enemy was unseen and you didn't know when it would strike. It sounds to me not unlike our present day lockdown, apart from all the obvious ways that it's nothing like it at all. But fearful of attack, fearful of being routed, fearful of being hurt, Israel hid. And what I find interesting, if you read through that story, is, is, is Gideon is threshing in the wine press. The angel of the Lord comes to visit him. And the angel of the Lord says to him, you know, I'm here. Get on with what I've called. I, I've got something for you to do. You're going to deliver Israel and I'm going to, I'm going to empower you because God's with you, mighty warrior. After a little kerfuffle, Gideon recognises it's the angel of the Lord and is just impacted so deeply. He has an encounter with God. And his response is to build an altar. And he calls the altar, the Lord is peace. The Lord is peace. Jehovah Shalom. You think, well... Fearful of all that attack, fearful of the circumstances, fearful of the situation they find themselves in. God comes, Gideon encounters him, and then it's all changed. Because Gideon then is empowered to fulfill the call that's already on him. Folks, uh, in June, I was supposed to be uh, on a course overseas in Month two of my sabbatical, May till July, long awaited, long looked forward to, especially pertinent for me because I was keen to find out what God wanted me to do next with the loss of Helen, my wife, of course, and wanted to like go, all right, well, what what next, Lord? And of course, it all got cancelled, it all got canned. And, um, and so I was, you know, mulling this over with the Lord in a kind of not very happy way, saying, I'm not blessed, basically, and whinging. And uh, as I was getting out the car one morning, I was just going to the shops, I felt like God just said to me, just dropped into my head, Aled, I can fill you in three minutes if I want. Okay. So I decided to go on a three-day retreat in my own house. What I discovered, amazing things, it was amazing that, on the remote control, there is a button that actually switches the TV off. It was like a miracle. I pressed it like many times and it worked every single time. It was like amazing. So I switched those things off and I retreated to uh, a place where I usually pray and seek God. On the afternoon of the first day, God met me. And in three minutes, I was filled full. My capacity was just overwhelmed and I was overflowing with the presence of God. I was fed up. I wasn't where I wanted to be. 
there was an enemy outside that I was scared to, uh, you know, I, I was a bit nervous. I just thought I, I, could, I could be ill. And yet God said, fulfill your call and be filled. And my response was actually to pray and to praise. Paul says in Philippians, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say it, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. My friends in Worcester, <laughs> the Lord is near. And this is not a time to fold back into the best ways to survive. Yeah, I'm not saying that we shouldn't help ourselves. I'm not saying that we shouldn't make life as palatable as possible. But I am saying the call of God hasn't changed. That his capacity and ability to fill us hasn't changed. Or his uh, a desire to encounter us hasn't changed. It is exactly the same. But actually, I feel like God's giving you and I today a fresh invitation into the wine press, if you like into the place where you're hiding perhaps, into your living room with the telly off, perhaps it's your bedroom where you normally wait, or perhaps a favourite chair. And the Lord says, I'm the same, Jehovah Shalom. I'm the same one who knows how to actually bring thriving and flourishing to Christians and to all people, all humanity. I'm here because I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. And in the Philippians passage, you can read it, Philippians chapter 4, 4 to 8. The context there is that there had been some division and rankering between a couple of workers. And he said, be reconciled. Start your prayers with thanksgiving. Build an altar and give praise to God. Build an, I mean, don't build an altar in your back garden or in fact in your front garden because people in white coats will probably come and visit you eventually because the neighbours will notice. But So don't build an altar, but build one in your heart and begin to say the Lord is peace and he's bigger than the context. So listen, my friends, God bless you. It's great to be even able to do this type of thing. I mean, imagine those that we never thought we'd ever be able to do this type of thing. So I, I trust that you're well. I'm praying for you. You're in my heart. And uh, I look forward to seeing you again very soon. I'll be praying for you. Bless you. Take care. See you soon. Bye-bye.